Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of commercial-free five-yard rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. What's happening, Rush Nation? It's Murph here. Yes, it's a different voice at the start of the intro. Uh, Stocks has had to go on IR for at least a couple of days. He's unfortunately not very well, uh, and he's left me on the lurch on, on my birthday. So... Uh, scrambling around, trying to think of uh, who could join me and manage to find the perfect guy. So today I'm going to be talking to someone who writes for Inside the Pylon uh, for Pro Football Weekly. He's also the host of Locked on Patriots and he's just about everywhere. It's the quarterback expert. It's Mark Schofield. Mark, how's it going? Murph, happy to be with you. I want to wish you a happy birthday. I'm sorry your co-host couldn't be here. I hope he feels better, but it is a pleasure to be with you on your birthday. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, look, there's not many people I'd uh, rather share it with more. I've uh, been abandoned by my wife for medical things and uh, uh, bits and pieces, but I'm more than happy to, uh, let's say, temporarily upgrade the co-host chair. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to try to live up to the live up to the intro. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you'll have no problems with that. Um, so, I mean, Mark, I mean, thanks for coming on. Um, I'm really keen because you do you do so much work. You're one of the busiest guys in in the game. Um, really keen to to understand how you got into uh, writing and and football and how you ended up in the media doing what you do today. 
Yeah, I've, I've taken somewhat of a lawn and winding road to where I am now. Although in this day and age, there are actually more and more people I'm finding out every day that took a somewhat similar path. I mean, I was a lawyer for 10 years. I live in the Washington, D.C. area. I went to law school, practiced law for 10 years. And near sort of the end of my run as a lawyer, I'd come to realize that for a number of reasons, practice in law just wasn't for me. And I've been pretty open in the past on places like Matt Harmon's Backyard Banter and other places that, you know, because of my stression, the high pressure world of litigation, of corporate litigation, of medical malpractice defense, which is where I was when I finally left the practice of law, just didn't work for me. I was struggling with depression, with anxiety. I was treating myself for it. I was getting medical professional help for it. I was trying to self-medicate myself at times. And I came to the realization, Mark, that it just, I needed to do something different. And it was around that time that through another website, Sons of Sam Horn and a Red Sox message board of all places, that there were some people that loved writing about football. We couldn't talk about the Red Sox 365 days a year, although we tried. You know, we would find ourselves breaking down Patriot stuff. We would find ourselves breaking down plays. I would find myself spending more and more time doing that. We decided that why don't we try to do this on our own standalone website? And that was sort of how Inside the Pylon was born. Myself and David Archibald and Chuck Zotta and Philip Kibbe and some other people got together and start what became Inside the Pylon. And through the work that I did over at ITP, I started to build my brand, make a name for myself. That got me some other opportunities around the football media world, first with, say, Bleacher Report's NFL 1000 project and then some other places and Matt Waldeman's site. And I've sort of carved out a a second career as a sports writer. And it's been a fascinating ride. I've told people, I've told family members, I've told people on shows that in a way, maybe it didn't full on save my life, but it certainly added some years to it because I was going down what was probably not the best road for me health-wise, mentally and physically. And I've now been able to grow into a much better person, much better husband, father, son, brother, all sorts of things because the stresses of the day-to-day life of being a lawyer are now removed. I'm not glued to my phone 24 hours a day. I'm not constantly worried about something going wrong in one of my cases or one of my partners flipping out over something or losing a trial. I could walk away from work. I can spend time with my family. I can spend time with my children. It's made me a better person. So it's been an interesting journey, but it's been a much more fruitful journey and a much more fruitful path than the one I was on, say, four years ago. I'll tell you what, I, I, I couldn't relate to you more. I, I changed careers in my mid-20s for semi-similar reasons, actually. So I used to run um, pubs and bars for a living. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was the 90 hour work weeks. It was eating at work, which isn't the healthiest food. Right. It was never being outside. It was, you finish work and what do you do? You go to the bar and you go drink. Um, if I wasn't working, I was drinking or sleeping. And that's right. pretty much all I ever did. And uh, I met my now wife and we were, we were in the early months of our relationship must've been about four months. And uh, I just decided, I don't know what happened. I woke up one day and went, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> just, yeah. And I had it in my notice and went, that's it. And I quit my job. No idea what I was going to do. No fallback plan, nothing. And changed to a second career, which is what I do now in sales. And it, for the similar reasons, the benefits, and you just feel like an entirely different person. But more importantly, you're a much better person to those in your life. That yeah. I mean, 
I remember the moment when it really hit me that I needed to make a change. And it was, you know, it was a weeknight, you know, Monday or Tuesday. I don't remember the exact day of the week, but it was around 645 at night. And, you know, my wife and I are finally home. She's also a lawyer. She's actually very good at it. And she's pregnant with our daughter, our, our second child, our youngest. Short window of time that we had with our son, you know, when he's home from daycare, we get some time to spend with him. He was like, you know, two and a half at the time before we have to bathe him and put him down for the night for go, to go to bed. And my pregnant wife, after her day at work as a lawyer and, you know, a high stressful litigation type job is crawling around on the floor with him while I'm sitting on the couch, Murph, staring at my phone. Because I'm so worried about something that might come via email on one of my cases, maybe. It wasn't like I knew that, oh, at like 6.45, you're going to get this email. It was just a hypothetical in my mind. But I was so terrified about what could potentially happen that I was sitting there staring at my phone a foot in front of my face and ignoring that, you know, four feet beyond my phone, there's the stuff that really matters to me and I'm just ignoring it. And I, I remember this moment vividly and I realized that if I don't make a break from this, I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. And before I know it, my son and our second child, are going to be off to college and I'm going to wonder where it all went. And so I realized that, look, I needed to make a break from this. Thankfully, the, the firm that I was at realized that, you know, the work product had slipped as well. I was struggling and so came to an agreement for me to walk away. And it was right around this time that I was like, I needed to do something different. The opportunity to write and start inside the pylon, what became inside the pylon, happened at that moment. I figured it was going to be, to be honest, you know, a couple of months before I went on to do something else and be give me something to do while I was looking for a real job. But the site took off, my work took off, and I realized that I can make a run at this and I got the buy-in from my wife and the rest of my extended family that, look, we're at a comfortable place where we can give this a shot and it's grown to be what it's become. I tell you what, I've, we've had a lot of people on this show and have come from all different walks of life that ended up, you know, going into football. But this is one of my favorite stories because you, you give so much to it and you can see what you bring to the job and how much joy it gives you because you can you can sort of pick up on that, on the things that you write and uh, listen to your podcast. And, uh, you know, you're, you're sometimes on with uh, with Matt Williamson as well. And you can hear the passion that you have for it. And it, it comes not just from the passion of the game, but the fact that you love what you do because you've been in that environment where you you weren't in that you weren't enjoying yeah. your first career so it, it transpires and I, I love what you've you've done to to do that and it, it really comes across in in everything you do because it it just shows how much you you love what you do now yeah i i, I do appreciate that matter for i really do and i i'm lucky in the sense that you know, it's not like I was like when I was in high school, my freshman year in college, I worked as an exterminator. Like it's not like I was living that kind of life where you're doing manual labor. I mean, I was in a courtroom, but the stakes were high when you're in litigation and either it's an individual client or a corporation and your trial is their trial is the most important thing to their lives. All this stuff matters. I mean, talking about football and quarterbacks and breaking down X's and O's, it really, as serious as people get about it at times, particularly on Twitter and elsewhere, it doesn't really matter. And so I'm able to sort of walk away from it. And throughout my life, you know, the one constant that I've had throughout the various stages of my life has been football. I mean, I grew up playing this game. I played it all the way through college. And even after, you know, graduated from college, when I hung them up officially, I would still play in co-ed leagues and men's, you know, flag football leagues 
And even when I became a lawyer, my escape was football. And even just, if not watching it, still writing about it on an informal, you know, hobby type basis. And I've always loved this game. And more than anything else, I've loved trying to teach this game to other people. And that's what I really try to do more than anything else in my writing. And the work that I do is I want people to either listen to a show or read an article and learn something from it. I'm not trying to, when I opine on a quarterback or a player, you know, say that I'm definitively right. I just want to give my, my opinion about a player or a team or a route design or whatever. And that people go and be informed and perhaps come to their own opinions, whether they're the same as mine or not. And so I do love what I do. I'm incredibly lucky to be able to do this. It's at times a frustrating industry because like anything else, there are ups and downs. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I fall asleep tonight at night and I don't, I'm not terrified, you know, when the alarm goes off in the morning. I mean, I remember those days as a lawyer when, you know, the worst moments of every single day were that elevator ride up from the lobby to the floor of my office because I was just so filled and consumed with dread about what awaited me. Now, alarm goes off and it's like, I get to watch football and write about it today. There's nothing wrong with that. It's quite a contrast. Um, and, and it's good because there, there's more to life than, than what you do, even what, if what you do now. It's, it's you know phenomenal what you get to do. And, and many people would love to swap careers in a second yeah. with you. But it is about the other things in life. And I think when you had that sort of career where you're, constantly focused on it and you can't take your mind off it you you let the rest of the your life pass you by and is as you say you, you you miss out on everything um in terms of our listeners here then there's people here that would obviously love to swap seats with you and or, or maybe if it's not even just about football it might be about soccer or they they have a passion that they want to talk about or write about what kind of advice would you you give to to these listeners that are just looking for that bit of inspiration, almost like you were, to to get started? Yeah, I get this question a lot, Murph. Um, you know, both via you know Twitter, or emails, or people just reaching out informally. Um, I've talked to a lot of people about sort of my transition to help people make similar ones. And one of the beauties of life in 2019, in this sort of social media, internet driven era is that you don't have to wait for an opportunity. You don't have to be given an opportunity. You can just create it on your own. I mean, if you've got a passion for writing, you can just start a WordPress site. And if the quality of work is good enough, it will get noticed. You like to talk about the game. You like to you know, break things down. You like to be in front of a microphone. You can create a podcast and do it. So you don't have to wait for a big media type outlet to discover you. You can just create the content on your own and good quality content will be discovered. I mean, we've had a lot of people come through over right inside the pylon and go on to bigger and better things. I mean, Ted Wynn, for example, was with us for a long time. Now he's one of the head writers over at The Athletic and their national NFL site. Ethan Young was with us for a period of time. Now he's, I mean, he's like 23 and he's the, he's, in, he's the player personnel director at UCLA. I think one of the youngest in you know, college football history. And perhaps my favorite, and this might be in line with a lot of your listeners, is Matty Brown, who was at a university in England, who liked to write about the game and wrote something. He reached out to me and said, I, I just want to get your feedback on this. 
And when I read it, I was like, this is really good. So my response to him was, why don't you come write for ITP? And now he's writing for field goals. He's trying to get coaching gigs. He was a coach at his university in England as a football player coach and now just a coach. You know, he's come over for the senior bowl the past two Januaries to come stateside. And so there are opportunities available to people at places like inside the Palona or elsewhere. And the final point I'll make is this, to do what Maddie did, reach out. There are dozens, if not more, people in this industry that are more than willing to provide some guidance, to provide that help in hand. Maybe you get somebody that looks at something and says, well, this is all right, but I'm sorry, I can't do more for you right now. But more likely than not, you're going to get people that are willing to either let you come right for them or share your work around or help you in some other way. And so, you know, never be afraid to ask for advice, to ask for feedback, to ask for anything in this industry, because the worst people will tell you is no. And all that means is that, well, if you didn't ask, you're in the same spot. More likely than not, people are going to help you. And so there are ways to create content. But more importantly, once you do that, don't be afraid to reach out to people like me or others for advice, for feedback or anything, because you never know where that could lead. I think that story about Matty Brown is a perfect example. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's great advice. And um, I have a, a, an expression I use in my day job in sales, which is uh, no is the second best outcome. Right. Um, because obviously you want the yes, but the no is the second best outcome because at least you know. And right. having that finite answer is, okay, I either need to do something differently or that is over and I need to explore a new avenue and, and that's fine. But at least you know and you're no longer chasing rainbows or chasing things that aren't real and then you can focus on the things that are and i think that's that's so important and people are so scared of getting a no i i ask for no if i get somebody in my day job who is stringing me along and doesn't want to commit to a sale it's like am i wasting my time here look if you're not interested this is absolutely fine we can park this we'll talk in 12 months time there's the door and you'd be amazed at how many people then turn around and go well actually no it's not that or actually yeah i am I'm, I'm just we're just not ready and that's fine like at least i now know so i go on to the next person and you know if your article needs more work or you're chasing up the wrong avenue rather than chasing the same avenues go down another avenue and then that's another door that could potentially open and the more doors you open the more chances you'll get at, at being successful in what you want to do yeah Murph, that's exactly right and you know one of the things i did learn I learned a lot of lessons from my prior life, but the way sort of my mind worked was I would always sort of assume the worst about a situation. And so, you know, the way I used to be was I wouldn't ask because I would just assume that the answer would be no. And I would sort of let my sort of monkey brain, I term it at times, run wild on me. And now I've come to realize that it's better to just know either way then assume the worst and beat yourself up over. Because if you know the answer is no, then okay, fine. Like you said, you move on and you do something else. But if you just sit there beating yourself up, why beat yourself up for something that might not ever happen? Mm. You know? And I, it's weird. I, I remember in high school, growing up in, into college, you know, one of my favorite, I, I love live music. One of my favorite live albums was Van Halen's Right Here, Right Now. And there's a, a sequence album. in that, where during Panama, I believe, Sammy Hager's talking about a story where the night before at the hotel, the rest of the band was partying with a bunch of girls. They had the hotel suites filled with people. They're drinking, they're going out. And Sammy Hager is in his hotel room talking about how he was so worried about the next show that he was just kind of holed up. And he's like, what's the point in that? 
you know, tomorrow, as he put it, might not ever come. Mm-hmm. So the, the point is, like, why worry about the uncertainties of the future? Like, you don't even know what's going to happen. And so to sit there and beat yourself up when you haven't even gotten a definitive answer is silly. And so I finally learned that, you know, 40 years into my life. But I'm glad that I did. Absolutely. I love the album as well. It's a great yeah, album. Yeah, great album. Unbelievable. Um, I feel like we're going to get on <laughs> really well. Right. Yeah. That's your hot takes. My, um, I got, I got a, a personal story for you where my, uh, my father actually managed um, Adam and the Ants before they signed for CBS in the state. Wow. Uh, and that's why I'm called Adam uh, originally. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. So, yeah. Um, so, I, he, the one thing my father did give me uh, before he passed in about 15 years ago is uh, tasty music. So, I spend most of my time listening to many great bands and you know, Van Halen are brilliant. They're one of my, one of my favorites, actually. I put them in my top 20 all time in terms of just, and it's the live albums you have to listen to because the recordings right. are great, but it's, it's, the live albums is when you hear the passion, the solo, the things that don't come across in studio recordings. That's why I, I mostly listen to live albums where, where possible. I mean, it's a great recorded track, so you can never get away from it. But if you take, um, you know, Pink Floyd and Dark Side of the Moon album, if you ever get the live version of that, it's unbelievable. One of the best albums you'll ever listen to. I mean, whenever I get into a music mode, whether it's, you know, say late at night when I'm up by myself, the rest of the family is in bed, or if I'm around the house by myself, what are my favorite live tracks is Gilmore doing comfortably numb live. I mean, I, that is a go-to for me. Now I never got the chance to see Floyd live. I did see Roger Waters do the wall live a couple of years ago here in the DC area. And that was a great experience, but I won't lie. I mean, I was sitting there just fingers crossed, praying, praying that when Gilmore's part came up, you would get that moment like you saw at the O2 a couple Mm. of years ago where he actually appeared at the top of the wall, even though obviously him and Roger have had the falling out. He thought, you know, I'll do it this once. I thought, look, it's the end of the tour. It might be their last time in the States. Maybe he does it. It didn't come to fruition. But yeah, I mean, Floyd Live, what are the bucket list type of things? At least Gilmore and Rogers together live won't get it. But yeah, I'm Mm. right there with you on that. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I saw Roger Waters uh, 2006 in Hyde Park, and it was unbelievable. Um, oh, wow. It was him one night, um, and then The Who did the second night, who who are my absolute favorite all time, The Who, um, and got to watch them basically back-to-back for two nights, and incredible. But yeah, same thing. Without Gilmore, comfortably numb, just doesn't, right. it doesn't quite get there. It just yeah. doesn't quite get there. So uh, I'm with you on that. Um, <laughs> we will move back to football. Um, unfortunately, I could talk music all night, but maybe we'll save that for another time. Sounds Just a me. quick swing by fantasy football. Uh, did you do you play? Did you play much uh, last year, or are you, are you one of these that prefers to stay out of it? No, no, I do play. Um, although I do get a bit of stick, as they say in the leagues, because most of the people I know that I play with know what I do now, and like I remember. Um, I'm in two leagues plus the Scott Fishbowl each year. And one of the leagues I'm in, which is an auction league, I'm relatively new to it. You know, two seasons ago was my first year. And I remember it was a group of people. I only knew one guy. We had a live auction draft and I walked into the house and I was looking around and everybody's doing their last minute research. And there was literally a guy there reading one of my articles. And he sort of like looked at me, heard my name and they all sort of put it together and 
the guy that was running the league, the commissioner, like turned to the one guy that I knew was like, how could you bring in a ringer? This is ridiculous. And of course I did awful that first year. Um, but last year I made it to the final four in both of those leagues, finished third and one and fourth and out of the money in the other. I made it into the Scott Fishbowl playoffs as a wild card and got into the like third to last week. Um, but I got burned. I got, a, I think it was a Tyreek injury there, or the, I think it was Tyreek or maybe Kelsey, one or the other, because I had a Tyreek Kelsey sort of stack in the SFB. Um, one of those guys had to shut it down for a week. I think, I think it was Tyreek. And so that really burned me at the end. But it was a pretty good year. I'm excited about SF, SFB 9. Um, I think it's one of the best events of the fantasy year. Scott Fish does such a great job of that. And it's always an event. I mean, you have the SFB Potathon, which I'll be back on. I was on it last year. The guys over there do 24 hours of straight fantasy football podcasting, which is unbelievable. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to that again. Yeah, absolutely. We are, fingers crossed, hoping to get into the uh, SFB 9. We haven't had our invite yet, but I know there's many still going out. So we're, fingers and crosses, we've never made it in yet. But we feel like you need uh, you need more Brits in there. We, there's a few in there, but... Uh, yeah, we feel like a few more can uh, can always help. Uh, it, it's not a proper pond without people on both sides, right? Yeah, no, you need a lot of people. It, it is going worldwide, so I hope you guys do get in. It is a ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. If not, um, one of our um, one of our new co-hosts, Rich, is actually starting a uh, SFB type uh, league over here, UK Fantasy League. Um, very similar course and growing it over here. So um, they are aiming for, well, they aimed for 240 entrants and filled that up within a couple of weeks. So um, there's going to be a UK version of that. I know there's an Australian version as well. Um, wow. So what, what uh, Scott's done, it's amazing because he's now grown this worldwide, not just in terms of the SFB, but actually these splinter leagues that are now popping up where people are, the sole purpose is to raise money for great causes, which is just uh, a phenomenal thing. In oh yeah, definitely. Of, in terms of your strategy, then for w- when you're picking your teams, w- what do you tend to to go for? Um, you know, how how do you approach your draft and your prep and everything? I mean, I do a ton of mocking um, at various websites to try to game out different strategies. The one thing that I try to do, which is interesting given my background, is I try to go zero QB or as close to it which people might consider interesting given the fact that I focus so much of my work on the quarterbacks, but I really try to go wide receiver heavy or, you know, last year in the SFB, you know, try to go tight end heavy given the tight end premium that you got in that league. Interestingly, when we do the auction type stuff, my buddy finally figured it out after two auction drafts with me. I always, always, this is just the way I roll is just nominate players that I absolutely do not want. You know, and maybe that's me trying to game out the fact that people now know what I do. I feel like if I nominate a player, people are like, ooh, you know, and try to get on that player. But I'll nominate like, ooh, uh, how about Matthew Stafford when I absolutely do not want any sort of Matthew Stafford share. So I try to game things out that way. But inevitably, I end up caving early on a quarterback. I just can't help it, you know. But I always, you know, try to go zero QB as much as I can. Yeah, I Fair enough. I think that's what a, a, a standard strategy is, is to hold back as long as possible because there's so much depth for the position. Yeah, there's, um, there's so much depth at the position. And in most scoring formats, even decent quarterback play is going to be enough. So going from 2018, you know, making the final fours of championships and uh, having a deep run in the SFB, 
where what are you going to do differently from what you've learned in 2018 to apply to 2019 without giving away the whole playbook and strategy? I mean, I really sort of want to look at focusing on the wide receiver position because I feel like every year, inevitably, it gets to be like week four, week five, and I'm just sitting there like, I need to make a move at wide receiver. My wide receivers are just not good enough. I feel like I consistently miss at the wide receiver position. So I need to do either whether it's more research, more work, or just give myself more cracks at the apple at the wide receiver position. Because I feel like every single team, every single year, I find myself sort of patching together wide receivers as the season rolls along, and I don't want to find myself in that position again. That's fair. Although I would say this year is is deep a wide receiver roster situation i think than i've seen in the near 19 years i've been playing fantasy football in terms of i think you can get some phenomenal players late on that will do the job and and can really step up you know you can get like robbie anderson in like anywhere between the eighth and eleventh rounds and who who could potentially be a stud and there's many others if you can figure out what's going on in green bay and, and kansas city there's loads of value later on in drafts so i think um this year, I think you're going to have a good wide receiver core because I just think there's so many players available to you at, at that stage. Whereas I think in previous years, there was real tier jumps um, that I think are starting to bridge year on year. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly right. I mean, it is such a deep position. And you know, one of the things that you do have to do is sort of look at given coach movement, player movement, you're going to have to look at some schemes and opportunities. You know, I look at, for example, Cole Beasley, type option up in Buffalo because I think he's going to be a big part of their passing game and how Brian Dable wants to give Josh Allen some easy throws and options. And so trying to identify like situations like that or what Green Bay is going to do, like you said, Matt LaFleur coming over, we expect that offense to be a little bit better than it has been in years past. So it's trying to identify opportunities like that and then making the most of them. Yeah, definitely. So moving on to perhaps the most uh, important position in the area that you know best, um, quarterbacks. In terms of analyzing them how, how do you go about analyzing a quarterback and what traits do you feel make the quote-unquote perfect quarterback yeah it's in many ways the million dollar question and that's not even sort of my terminology for it I mean I just got done writing a piece over Big Blue View part of the SB Nation Network the Giants site where I have been going through this summer doing a series on evaluating the quarterback position and I just got done talking about one of the traits that you look at that you have to sort of consider when you're evaluating a quarterback, and that's competitive toughness. And I pulled a bunch of quotes, a bunch of snippets from coaching clinics. And one of the coaches I pulled from was Chris Peterson, now the head coach at the University of Washington. And this was actually from his Boise State days. But he said, look, million-dollar question when it comes to the quarterbacks is trying to evaluate the stuff you can't really see on film. And that's the leadership, the intangibles, the competitive toughness. And it's one of the tougher things to sort of evaluate. But in terms of the stuff you can see on film. I think the two most important are accuracy and processing speed. How quickly does the quarterback make decisions? How quickly will he be able to adjust and reframe his thinking when he gets a different look from a defense than the one he's expecting, say, in the pre-snap phase? And does he put the ball where it needs to be, when it needs to be there, to put his receiver in the best possible position to pick up additional yardage after the reception. I mean, those are the things that matter so much when you're playing this position. There are sort of other factors, obviously, things like arm strength and athleticism 
you know, can he contribute as a runner? That's huge, obviously, for fantasy purposes. We saw quarterbacks last year like Trubisky and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, you know, have some QB one type weeks because of what they could do as runners. So that's obviously something when you're evaluating plays from a fantasy perspective, you want to look at. But it comes to just looking at quarterbacks, there's that competitive toughness angle, accuracy and process and speed. Those I think are the big ones. Yeah, I think that's that's fair and uh it's it's amazing every year. It's like the the position seems to evolve itself every sort of few years. You know, you couldn't imagine looking five, six years ago or even ten years ago that you'd have guys like Tyler Murray and and you know um, Baker Mayfield coming into the league and and being so hyped up as they are given their you know lack of size or or, or strength and you know guys like Josh Allen were the prototype 10 years ago of the quarterback you absolutely want and yet now the league seems to have evolved so much into mobility and as you say sort of that quickness of thinking and reaction that you know the the traditional pocket passes I wouldn't say dead but it's it's almost dying in some ways yeah I mean it's a league that is now predicated on athleticism and space and stressing a defense from sideline to sideline. And so if you've got quarterbacks that can do that, it's going to certainly help an offense. And as a quarterback, you know, you've got to understand that in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to get to a third read or get to a fourth read, which might be creating with your legs. But football isn't a perfect game. Pockets aren't perfect structures. And there are going to be numerous occasions throughout the course of a single game where you are going to have to create or at least just buy time with your legs. And the ability of a quarterback to display athleticism in those moments is critical to success at the position. And you don't have to be an uber athlete to get it done. You look at Tom Brady. And nobody would consider Tom Brady an uber athlete. Nobody would confuse him with a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson or a Baker Mayfield or a Josh Allen. But his ability to use his feet and footwork in the pocket to create space and time is elite. And he still does it, you know, on the verge of his 42nd birthday here. And so it's a critical part to play in the position. It's definitely something when you're evaluating quarterbacks, whether just generally or for a fantasy focus, you want to see quarterbacks have because the ability to extend plays leads to huge opportunities in a scramble drill situation, which could be huge boosts to an offense. No, absolutely. So looking at the, the top five QBs that entered the league this year, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, and Will Greer, what do you make of them uh, in terms of their makeup? Uh, just a little brief synopsis of each one. And are there, are there any concerns over any of them or, or the strengths of those for, for our listeners who perhaps are, you know, making decisions on their rookie quarterbacks for dynasty leagues or just to get to know the game a bit better? Yeah. I mean, we could start with Murray and he's moving into what might be an ideal situation for a quarterback that is an outside-of-the-box pick. I mean, he's undersized. You're, you're betting on him being an outlier in the sense that he's Russell Wilson's size, and Russell Wilson was an outlier when he entered the league. But he's going into an offense that he was recruited to run. You know, Cliff Kingsbury did re- try to recruit him, tried to get him to Texas Tech. So there's going to be schematic familiarity. You look at the additions that Arizona made at the wide receiver position this past offseason. I think they've gotten a lot of talent around them. You look at the addition of, say, an Andy Isabel, who's a nice wide receiver, getting Hakeem Butler when they did 
I think that's going to give him a big body type receiver, Keyshawn Johnson in the sixth round, to pair with players like Kevin White and Christian Kirk and Chad Williams and Larry Fitzgerald and the emergence of Ricky Seals-Jones at the tight end position, who at the end of last year was developing a great relationship, I thought, with Josh Allen. And so they have some nice weapons around him. If they use David Johnson a little bit better than, say, Mike McCoy was using at the start of last year, I think that will be a huge boost. They'll need to figure out the offensive line, but they've made some acquisitions there to try to shore that up. And his ability as an, what we call an angle eraser as a runner is going to get him some points. And so I think I'm not expecting them to make the playoffs or anything close to that, but I think Kyler Murray's in a good spot to play early, to start week one, obviously, and be successful and put up some impressive fantasy-type points. You know, moving through the rest of these quarterbacks, I think you look at Daniel Jones, and I was not a Daniel Jones fan. I thought that he was somewhat limited schematically. I think, however, that if you look at how he was going to be used eventually, whether it's this year or down the road by Pat Schumer and this Giants offense, they're building a pure West Coast type offense, which is the ideal setting for him. And so while I'm not a fan of his, I think this might have been one of the, you know, two or three best landing spots for him. I think if you're in a deeper dynasty league, you might want to give Jones a flyer as much as, like I said, I wasn't a fan of him, but he might be in a pretty good spot. I liked Haskins a lot. And I really went back and forth on Jones, I mean, excuse me, on Murray and Haskins being my top quarterback in this class. It was eventually Murray, but Haskins was too. I love his competitive toughness. I loved how he showed you some process and speed moments, some anticipation throws. I think he's a very smart quarterback, but he is more of that battleship pocket passer type guy. He's going to have to learn to use his feet better. He's not going to get you a ton as a runner, certainly not a running quarterback like Stephen A. Smith described him. But I think he is a is set up to be a good NFL quarterback. And I think Jay Gruden's system is an ideal system for him to run. And so I really like that landing spot. Now, we could talk about Drew Glock. Um, he was my QB3. Um, the interesting thing with him is he has sort of the arm talent that we'd like to see. You know, that's probably his calling card as a passer. You could say easy arm talent, flick of the wrist type thrower, can make throws to all levels of the field with velocity. Sort of came a long way in that Missouri offense. You look back, you know, three, even four years at what he was doing at Missouri. It was very much a Baylor style of offense where every throw was to the outside, outside the numbers, hitches, goes, smoke screens, slants. And last year under Derek Dooley, he sort of took some steps to become more of a pro style passer and what they termed as sort of a college pro style offense. But I do think he has a way to go. And with Joe Flacco in front of him, it might be a year or two before we really see him on the field. And so he's more of a long-term play, I think. You know, and finally with Greer. I'm interested about Will Greer is one of the more confident quarterbacks I've ever talked to. Every quarterback is confident. It's hard to find a quarterback that isn't. But talking to him last year at the Senior Bowl, how he felt he was the best quarterback in this draft, had the best arm in this draft. Of course, he was going to throw at the combine. You know, that sort of easy confidence. It was impressive to see and hear from him. And he's in a very interesting situation because, you know, the Panthers are making this big show of Cam Newton coming back and throwing at minicamp and they're live streaming it and all this stuff. But you do get the sense that this could be another Andrew Luck type situation where maybe the shoulder doesn't come back the way we'd like to see it. And when you look at the rest of that quarterback room, they needed an upgrade at the backup quarterback spot. They had Taylor Haneke and Kyle Allen, some question marks at the quarterback spot behind Cam Newton. And so, 
Greer is in an interesting situation where given the other quarterbacks on the roster and given Cam Newton's health, he might see action pretty early. So that's also a situation I think to keep in mind as we start looking ahead to the 2019 season. No, absolutely. I really like Will Greer. I um, you know, I, I, I follow the Gators. That's uh that's my team in college. There you go. Um, I lived in Florida and uh, went to UF, so oh, wow. <laughs> that'd be why. Um, but, you know, I, he, he never really, obviously, he had a, a, a PD suspension there and that caused some problems. So, But I always liked his mechanics. And I think what I, what I really like about Greer is he didn't shy away from that. I think no. you've, got, you've got QBs who would go through that at such a young age at 19, 20, realize they've messed up on the biggest ep- opportunity of their lives and to come back better. And, you know, you associate that with say someone like Tyron Matthew who got kicked out of school at LSU. Those are, it's those things that people learn from and become better as a result of being given that second chance and knowing it's almost effectively their last chance, they grab it with both hands and it's that kind of mentality you want. And I, I really hope Will Greer goes on to have, a successful career i'm not too sure i hope he does get time in carolina and i hope he can make a career in the nfl not just as a career uh, right. backup but actually have a chance to play some games and maybe carve out a sort of ryan fitzpatrick kind of career if he gets that longevity and chance no I, I certainly think he could and you know as you sort of alluded to there murphy grew up in a, in a hurry i mean he had to learn the lessons that he learned over the suspension and the transfer and now he's married with a young daughter and you know, that sort of maturity, I think, is going to help him because playing quarterback at times can be a lonely position when you make mistakes and you struggle a little bit like many young quarterbacks do. But I, I think he's got sort of the mental makeup, the combination of maturity that he's had to pick up along the way as well as confidence. And I think that will suit him well as he goes forward. Yeah, definitely. So just a quick one before we, we wrap up and conscious of time is um, in terms of the QB's which which QBs based on their performance last year prime to uh, rise up the rankings and and do better and improve upon their 2018 seasons and uh, and more inversely who are those who are in line for some regression based on their 2018 numbers as we head into 2019 to help our listeners try and think about which quarterbacks they should be thinking about not just from a fantasy perspective but to keep an eye on and watch for for growth or, or regression this year you know i i think uh, it might be a bit of a cop-out answer but we'll start with the regression side of it and it's hard to see patrick mahomes duplicating what he did last year and i say this at the start i'll qualify it with like i was a mahomes fan he was my qb2 that year even last year i said look you know, he's got to put up some crazy numbers, but you're going to see more interceptions and he surpassed my expectations. But when you look at the loss of Kareem Hunt, for example, you know, questions about Tyree Hill, that sort of is still kind of up in the air. You know, I don't think we're going to see the same type of crazy numbers. I think sort of a bit of regression is to be expected in this sentence. So I think he's a candidate for that. I think Tom Brady, not that I think people would be banking on Tom Brady, Brady at this point in his career as a surefire fantasy option. But I think Brady, with the loss of Gronkowski, is a candidate to have some regression as well. I think Roethlisberger is another candidate for a bit of regression because the loss of Bell, the loss of Brown, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to get a lot more attention. So those are some regression candidates to watch. Some guys that I think could take a step forward. I'm still cautiously optimistic about Mitchell Trubisky. And I know that's perhaps an outlier opinion 
And I know a lot of people sort of look at him as a player that might even take a step back. You know, he maybe doesn't have the run of numbers that he did, but to see the sort of growth that he's shown over the course of his first year in Matt Nagy's system, I think it is important to remember that now he will have a full sort of year under his belt with a full offseason period as well um, in this system that's going to do wonders for him. I think you see the growth in decision-making, and if he fixes some footwork issues, he's going to be an even better quarterback. So Trubisky's a player I'm very interested in watching. And Carr, I know that a lot of people don't think he's ever going to live up to expectations around him. I know people look at a dot and air yards and think, now, not for me, but at the end of the season last year, Oakland's offense was very good. And you look at the additions that they have made around Carr. You look at, obviously, Antonio Brown. But I don't think we can ignore the Tyrell Williams acquisition. I think that it's going to be a big part of what they do offensively. We know what Gruden wants to do. He wants to be a West Coast system. But Williams gives you that opportunity, that option over the top of a defense. I think drafting Josh Jacobs made a ton of sense. I know a lot of people are very anti-running backs, anti-first-round running backs. But... When you look at the fact that they had a number of first-round picks available to them and their third one was a running back whose perhaps best trait as a running back is as a receiver out of the backfield, I think that fits incredibly well with what they want to do on the offensive side of the ball. I think the Hunter Renfro pick was a big one for them. It gives them that sort of slot option type receiver. You know, Trent Brown had a fantastic year under Darte Skarnecchia in New England. I think if Colton Miller develops and Brown can handle the right side, now you've got your two tackles. And so this is an offense I think is going to be a lot better than people anticipate. And I think Derek Carr is in line for a very good season. I, I agree. I, I really like Derek Carr and have been snapping him up in the last round of drafts as a backup because I I just don't – People talk about Wentz from two years ago and say, well, this guy had an MVP year and he's had injuries, and uh, but we know the talent's there and that's why he's got this new deal. Derek Carr had almost an MVP season in 2016 and people think he's some kind of a joke. And it's like, well, he's had nothing. He's had nothing to throw at. He's had no real targets. He's under a new scheme with John Gruden. John Gruden's a very complicated coach. I've watched him at Tampa a lot. His schemes take a while to understand fully um and to get your head round and i think Derek carr is a good quarterback i think he is massively underrated i i'd sit and take the the outlier position that i think he's for me a, a top half quarterback in this league yeah i think you can make that case and i i think that the important thing to think about is like you said gruden system takes a while and it puts a lot on the quarterback but now similar to the trubisky conversation had a full year in that system you know, he's got now weapons around him. They shore up the offensive line a bit. He's still a very talented quarterback. And, you know, people get on him for the ADOT and air yardage, but they want to be a team that works underneath and creates some opportunities for some shot plays downfield. You could still put up some pretty good fantasy numbers doing that. But with the talent they have around him now, I would anticipate them doing just that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you've got one of the league's best to throw to that's automatically going to give you the confidence and the boost to to step out of your shell and to to be better and as long as he can stay injury free i think he's in for a good year in 2019 i would agree 
this has been a lot of fun. Conscious, you, you've got to shoot. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find your updated uh, QB articles, rankings, podcast, everything. Pl- plug yourself away because it's a great resource for not just any fans of the game and those trying to understand the X and O's, but also uh, fantasy players as well, just from the insight you provide. Omar, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a blast. Happy to come on anytime. Um, hope your co-host is feeling better by the time this hits the airwaves. The best way to keep up with me via Twitter, at Mark Schofield on Twitter. I write for a bunch of different places inside the pylon, Pro Football Weekly. Um, you'll look for the Pro Football Weekly's Bears preview magazine. is going to hit shelves and stores later this summer. I'll have an article in there about Mitchell Trubisky if you want to do some more research on him. Um, write for Matt Waldman's website, mattwaldmanrsp.com. So you'll find a lot of quarterback evaluation stuff, both at the pro and college level, already doing work on next year's draft class. That's what I do most summers in addition to all the other stuff that I do. I'll write for work for three different SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, which has obviously a Giants focus, Uh, Bleeding Green Nation. I co-host a podcast over there with Michael Kiss that is a quarterback show with an eagle slant to it. And I do work over at Pat's Pulpit covering the Patriots. And speaking of the Patriots, Locked on Patriots, which is a daily Patriots podcast, 20, 25 minutes or so, comes out every day, Monday through Friday, more four days a week than five days a week in the summer because let's face it, there's not a ton of stuff to talk about. And that show isn't just for Patriots fans, although it's geared towards them. It's probably, I'd say, 70% quarterbacks, 25%. uh, I mean, 70% Patriots, 25% quarterbacks, and the other 5% anywhere from Toto to movies to food to whatever I feel like talking about at a given time. So I try to make it, you know, enjoyable for everyone. You can check that out, places like iTunes, Spotify, Himalaya, great, great new podcasting platform as well. So the easiest way, though, easiest way is just to find me on twitter is at mark schofield yeah definitely and i listen to that locked on patriots podcast another patriots fan but there's a lot of great content in there uh just to keep uh keep an eye on so definitely add that to your libraries uh well worth a listen uh if you don't get to it every day then you can stack a couple up and they're really good listens and uh, i enjoy them on my commutes but it's been an absolute pleasure mark we'll have to get you on before the start of the season where you can give us some updated uh thoughts on some of these qbs once you've had a chance to evaluate them in the preseason Sounds great, Murph. Would love to come back on. You know where to find me anytime you need me. Perfect. Well, look, thanks so much, Rush Nation. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll have another podcast dropping for you towards the end of the week, and we're hoping that stocks will be better, and we'll be introducing you to the rest of the team that we've just put together. But until then, keep rushing. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.